Welcome to Servium, Latin for I Will Serve, a new podcast series from the Diocese of Rapid City, exploring the vocation to the permanent diaconate. Join me as I visit with some of the deacons who are fulfilling the mission of Christ as servants, sharing their gifts in Western South Dakota. I'm your host, Karen Gibis, and I'm honored to introduce today's guest. Sitting down with me today is Deacon Bill White. Welcome, Deacon Bill. I am so glad you're here today with me. Will you give us a little bit about who Deacon Bill is, what you do for a living, what parish you're assigned to, all the details that we need to know about you? I'm Deacon I'm Bill White. I'm in Holy Rosary Mission on the Pine Ridge Reservation. Um, we have six churches in our parish throughout the reservation. I am married and I live in the Badlands of South Dakota and we have five adult kids with 19 grandkids. Oh, that's really neat. I was in the South Dakota National Guard for 38 years, almost 39 years. I worked full-time for them for 31. I am retired in 2017, and then I start working for the church. I started my formation to become a deacon in 2013, and I was ordained in 20, 2020. So um, after that, then I'm, I was employed with Red Cloud Indian School, run by the Jesuits, and that's who manages our churches down there and our faith down on the reservation. So I normally do two masses on Sunday, usually in Porcupine and in Manderson, and I do a home visit on the way to Pine Ridge, and then I do a communion service in nursing home in White Clay, Nebraska. So they keep you very busy. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's yeah, I'm very busy, and Sundays <laughs> are not a day off for me, <laughs> or any other deacon, I don't suppose. Right, yeah, I don't suppose. Um, so how does a lifelong soldier in the National Guard hear the call to the diaconate? What was that journey like for you? In 2000, I was, I was bucked off a horse. And I went for three days before my right side of my body went numb, kind of like I was having a stroke. So I thought, this can't be good. So I went to the hospital, and um, I had ended up having a subdural hematoma, and they life-flighted me to rapid. And everybody kept saying, you're so lucky, you're so lucky. I really didn't feel lucky. I was being life-flighted. So finally, when they put me in ICU up here in rapid, that nurse there said, you're lucky. And I said, well, what do you mean I'm lucky? I'm in intensive care and she says well you shouldn't be alive because my brain was moved so far over with my brain bleed that I had that it displaced my brain so I was lucky and so I knew that, that God had a purpose for me so a few years later I was at my computer my computer just went to a story about a Deacon Heavy Garnett and he was at St. Isaac Joe that's where he served and he is kind of an inspiration to me I, I loved his homilies and and he was a nice person he used to joke around to us because we'd only come to rapid for church every now and then because the church on the reservation only had mass every other Sunday so the Sundays they didn't have mass we'd come to rapid and then I was able to see my mom and stuff so but about every time he'd see me and say yeah I was wondering if you guys were still catholic or not <laughs> so <laughs> the story went to him he was in an almost fatal car accident when his wife actually died. And then he got the call to become a deacon after that. So I took that as God wants me to be a deacon. I mean, why else would that story appear, you know, with similarities in our in our life? So I went home and told my wife and said, hey, hon, I think I'm supposed to be a deacon. And she just kind of, oh, okay, go ahead. And I said, but you need to go to all the formation that I go to. <laughs> <laughs> So it took some prayer and some discernment on her part before we could finally join the program. But eventually she joined and she did participate in it. So, so I was ordained in 2020 in October. And that, that's the way my call looked, I guess. 
Yeah, that's a very different story than a lot of other deacons. They usually don't go through a near-death experience in order to hear that call or to be prompted no. to that silence and listening for that call. I was a cradle Catholic. I was baptized before as a month old. My family is a very strong church-going family. And in Rapid, I was raised in, in Rapid, and we were St. Isaac Joe, and that's prior to the flood. We lost our church in the flood in 1972, along with the priest that was very close mm -hmm. to me, Father Collins, Francis Collins. And that kind of hurt us, I guess, and our faith, because we lost our church and we lost the priest, and so we kind of drifted a little bit. And then coming a teenager, I kind of drifted from the church again. And so when I had my daughter, I wanted to get her baptized. And I remember Father Ryan up, up at um, St. Isaac Joe, he says, well, why do you want to baptize her? I never see you in church. He had a valid point. So we came back to the church, and that's when it all started. You have a goal as a deacon. Can you share that goal? Yeah, I'd, I would, I'd like to. Um, so as a goal, we're, we're called to proclaim the gospel. So when I started my ministry, it just this goal kind of hit. It's more of a target because it's, it's really kind of hard to hit. I have hit it a few times, but um, my goal is to proclaim the gospel to 100 people a week outside of Mass, outside the liturgy. I mean, so funerals don't count, Masses don't count, no matter what day they're on. Um, How do you do that? Like I said, I go to the nursing home. Mm-hmm. That's been 14, average, 14 to 20 people there. I do home visits, you know, sometimes 10 a week there. So it's 24. But my, my big winner is um, the jail, the Pine Ridge Jail. Mm -hmm. I go there on Wednesday nights, um, and I started with um, taking communion, but then I thought about that and, and taking because I'm sure that I was given a lot of first communions out. So. Oh, right. So I, I quit taking communion, so I moved into a scripture service. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my biggest crowd there has been 85 in three different groups. Wow, that really helps your number. Yeah, it does. So, um, <laughs> no, 85 and my lowest, I think, has been 48. But, you know, I'm, I'm right around 70 now. So, um, yeah, so those, um, so you get 75, then, you know, 8, 10 home visits, 85, and then 14, 15 nursing home, then I, I hit my target. So like I said, I only really hit that a few times. But So if you could only work in one of those ministries that, you know, the nursing home visits, the home visits, jail ministry, the other aspects that you do as a deacon, which one would you focus on? I think the, the ministry that um, I would do if I could only do one would be praying for the critically sick people, the near near term. Mm -hmm. Just because they're so hungry, they want someone with faith to tell them that this is not it. So far, I think I've prayed with 14 people in their final days, some as long as two years and some as long as weeks. And I suppose that brings a sense of taking away the loneliness that they're feeling, the doubt that they're feeling, that maybe focusing it on to more of the, the joy of heaven and the life with Christ that we should be focusing on even while here on earth. Right. And that's that's just it. Maybe they've been missing that point for a while. And the reason I'm kind of drawn to this is because I remember when my father-in-law passed away, he was just so scared and I didn't have words. And when you're around sick people back then, probably before I entered formation, I was always, hey, I'll pray for you. And I was looking for an exit, a way to get out because the feeling wasn't very good to be around. You know, I didn't know what to say. I was sad. I, so I was looking for an exit to leave. But now I'm now if I go in, I go in and I'm, let them know, hey, I'm, I'm here with you. 
you know, for your journey. I'm here. I'm here to pray with you, and I'm, I'm bringing hope to you, I hope. It's such a sacred time because we're all traveling that journey. And, you know, and when you get closer, closer to the call, you can just see the difference in them. You can see the, the, the relief that, that leaves them once they start getting the hope. The Holy Spirit showed up and it did enter them. And having you try to do it on your own before you became a deacon to now doing it with God and relying on His grace and His power and His words to bring that hope to them, that has to be also very comforting for you to know that you're not really going to mess it up as long as you do what, what God has called you to, preaching His word like He's asked. So many changes in my life. I was a shy person in school. I'd barely speak in front of people, let alone and pray in front of people. I mean, that's one of the hardest things you can do in front of a group is pray. It kind of puts you in a, a vulnerable position to, what if I do it wrong? You're constantly second-guessing yourself, and, and yet just let the Holy Spirit lead, and there works beauty in, in the hearts of those praying with you. Yeah, it's just so powerful. I mean, everybody's hungry. Yeah. And if, if you do get backlash, it's all right. I believe, and I'll pray for you. So the Lord has really worked with you in this ministry, in your diaconate. He has walked with you. He has brought you. He's equipped you for this calling. What has been the most surprising part of your diaconate journey and helping others as you've become a deacon and worked in these ministries towards the healing that you bring and the hope that you bring to people? Well, I think it's just just praying with people and and the fruit that you get out of it, that the Holy Spirit did show up and offer it, give them comfort through me. He used me. And I mean, it's so reassuring that um, that you're doing something for a reason. The Holy Spirit, without him, I'm nothing. But the Holy Spirit shows up in him. Comforts, and that's one of the, pray, the prayers I say before I go pray with someone. Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to offer comfort to this family. I remember a story when one of my first people I went to, near-term people I went to pray for, this couple came in, and they were they were very faithful Catholic. In fact, um, the husband used to do um, communion services when the priest wasn't around up on that church on Cooney Table I talked about. And they came to me one Sunday when I, I wasn't ordained yet, but um, they came to me and they said, Bill, we want you to go pray for this guy who's battling cancer, and we don't think he has faith. So, And this guy was a rodeo cowboy. I mean, he was an NFR qualifier five-time. On the way over, I was thinking, man, what am I going to say? I mean, is this my calling? But yeah, I'll go. I told him I'd go. So on the way, and that's the prayer I said is, Holy Spirit, come and reveal yourself through my visit today. And then I said, and if at all possible, show me a sign that things will be all right. So when I, when I got to his approach, there was two golden eagles on each side of his gate. So I said, oh, I'm, I'll take it. And wow. I, and, and I went there, and um, it couldn't have gone any better. This person was lapsed from church for quite a while. But in the church records, because I was kind of a church lady in Porcupine there, so I had <laughs> access to that stuff, I found his first communion picture in there. So I knew that, um, that he made his first communion. So he, he started to come to church. And during the, the prayers of the faithful, he was just praying so hard. I'm going to beat this cancer. It's not going to beat me. I'm going to beat it. He did that for a couple months. And then it was close... The 1st of January, his prayer changed, and he started praying for his son, who is, he's going to leave behind, and for his sister and his family. So God gave him the change that he intended for him, and it, it was such a beautiful thing to witness that a lot of times you think you're going 
pray for people that you're giving them something. But most of the time, you, it's, you get so much out of it that it's almost you wonder, who am, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for for them or for me? Because um, God revealed himself through so many of these these times that you go pray with people. I'm sure you have lots of stories of the reward that God has done either to the person you're praying with or to you yourself. You've shared a lot of rewarding stories already. Do you have the most rewarding story that you really did see and feel God's presence brought you to a, a confirmation and affirmation in your calling as a deacon? I look back at my life and I can see where, um, where he was with me. I have a guardian angel that's probably a top performer, you know, that, and I mean, because I was kind of a wild, wild young man, you might say, you know, I was, okay. um, I wasn't living pleasing to God. I wasn't, I was living more for myself mm -hmm. than for God. And I remember when I was about 33 years old, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. It finally consumed him and, and he passed away. And I got just so mad at God. And I looked at my mom and I said, how do you even know there's a heaven? How do you even know God exists? I was just so mad. She just calmly looked at me and she said, I can't afford not to believe. And, and that done it for me. In those next five years, I lost my grandmother and I lost my mom. And um, I have never questioned existence of heaven or of Christ since. I'm pretty sure if that one thing wasn't said to me, I probably wouldn't be here, wouldn't be a deacon. That was just so powerful, and I've used that throughout my lay ministry and that, that reflection on that. I mean, it's take it with me when I'm called home. Is that her faith that she gave me? That is a question I think a lot of people who are dealing with grief or um, upset of their own plans deal with is that, is there a heaven, is there a God? Mm. And to be able to take that firsthand experience with your mom and turn mm. it into a ministry to help others to maybe understand the gift of of just being with God in relationship with Him. Yeah, and I think that's why I picked that ministry that I did pick, is the near terms, cause, because of the way my life was. I mean, where I got my faith, where I think that's the way God was directing me to. What advice would you give to someone who's considering the diaconate? I would think just to pray about it, take it to prayer, sit down, and if you're married and I'm... Um, talk to your wife. If if you're going to get married, you probably shouldn't enter it. If you're <laughs> something to think about is, um, you know, when you get ordained, biggest grace that you're going to receive is when the bishop puts his hands on your head, you know that um, that goes all the way back to the apostles. Laying on of hands, it, it goes straight back to the, the apostles, apostolic succession. And that's, that's what you should think about when a, when a priest or, or a deacon or, or anyone prays over you, when they touch your head like that, that touch goes all the way back to one of the apostles. Which, when you think about it, that's a mind-blowing thought. Right, it is. It's, that's one of, the, one of the graces that you'll get is, another grace is the indelible mark mm -hmm. that, that we get in, in baptism and confirmation and, and in holy orders. It's a mark that you can't see but you're called to show through your love and through your ministry to the people that you minister to. You're called to show this indelible mark so they can see it. So, so when you show up in heaven and, and they see it, people down here can say, yeah, I seen it, I felt it, I felt his love. And that's how you know you're living your vocation. Yep, it's trying to show your indelible mark to people. 
Oh, that's great. Well, thank you, Deacon Bill, for joining me today and for your words of wisdom and sharing your mom's words of wisdom, too. Amen. Thank you so much for all you do for the missionary aspect of the reservation and for as many parishes as you have to minister to. That is an undertaking in itself for all you do to serve Western South Dakota and the Diocese of Rapid City. I mean, it's been such an honor to speak with you today. Amen. And thank you for for having me. We're all related. If you feel God might be calling you to become a deacon or simply want more information about the permanent diaconate, please call me, Deacon Greg Sass, at the Diocese of Rapid City Chancery Office, 605-343-3541, extension 2228. 